Episode 8 of Bellum Mensa Act 3 of Lost Minds of Fandelva Session 11 The Refuge and the Dragon On the second day in the underway, our heroes, Likar, Bikar, Brimblor, Cardrus and Mormir, have clambered out of the tunnel, and Bikar forged a way across out of the assorted goods that they carried with them. Marching onwards, they encountered an ancient dwarvish way station. Searching the stone chest marked supplies, they ignored the long decayed remnants of food and recovered a leather bag marked for emergencies, containing a large, flawless diamond. Ever advancing, they made their way north through the tunnel until they encountered a breach into the underway, and Brimlor slipped drawing the attention of a nearby, young green dragon. Answering the dragon's invitation, they were drawn upstairs to a large cavern where Ozyrandius Venomfang introduced himself. Trying to persuade the party to take care of some unwelcome religious callers, Venomfang attempted to bribe them with a magical axe, and then lured them closer with a chest apparently full of healing potions. When they were in position, our heroes decided to refuse his offer, and Ozyrandius Venomfang unleashed a breath of pure poison, managing to get three of them. Then the dragon flew out of reach to block the exit back into the underway. A vicious combat ensued, but in the end, the dragon decided to flee his cavern to the surface, burdened by a large treasure chest. Feeling unsafe to rest so close to a dragon's lair, and choosing to ignore pursuit into the ruins of Thundertree, the town that Ozyrandius Venomfang claimed existed on the surface. Our heroes ventured further down the tunnel through a submerged part of the underway. On the other side of the water, our heroes broke through a layer of ice and found a cavern filled with stalactites and stalagmites. Lighting a bonfire to warm themselves, they awoke a strange beast that extended shadowy tendrils throughout the darkness, and though dislodged from the ceiling, still made some vicious bites with a brutal more before it was finally slain. At last, taking a long rest by the creature's body, when our heroes had finally recuperated, they continued north before too long began to hear the faintest of pulses, or beats, or echoes throughout the underway. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Bellum Mensa, the chronicle of my experiences as a professional dungeon master, and of my first experience running Lost Minds of Fandelva. Last week, I left off on the problem of not giving my players an uninterrupted long rest, but also not wanting them to just have a single encounter, and then deciding that they would camp out in the dungeon or the wilderness for the next 24 hours. This is apparently a common problem for dungeon masters, often called the 15-minute adventuring day. I'm still not sure I've come to a solution to it, and I certainly didn't this time, but maybe you'll take inspiration from my experiences with it and find something that works at your table. The Dwarven Way Station I introduced to this session was an idea I had to try and solve this. Expanding on the idea of the Dwarven Underground Highway, this wasn't a rest area like you may, might get off the main highway. It was just a side alcove, containing some stone chests, one containing a supply of fresh water, as I presume Dwarven plumbing must be far superior to even Roman aqueducts, and another one filled with various supplies, the players searched through it and found the very best loot possible, a diamond large enough to cast Revivify on any of the players, should they die. This may too have been another warning about the upcoming encounter. When they long rested in the way station, 
I had them roll on a different encounter table. And, again, same as last week, perhaps this was an issue. As well, in character, I explicitly told them that they felt like this was a safe place to camp, and they never got attacked at any way station. They didn't know out of character that when I asked them, please roll for a random encounter, they were rolling on a different random encounter table, and that these way stations were their designated long rest area. Rolling so much on random encounter tables seems to be suggested by the rules as written in the Lost Minds of Fandelva handout, but while I initially thought it would be fun and increase tension and excitement, it reminded me of playing old hex crawl games around the table in 3.5, it was just turning into a slog for my players. Different groups have different expectations, and they may enjoy rolling for their encounters a lot more, and I think that the online play versus in-person play might play a massive role in this. But I also think, what if the players had known how much of the random encounters were truly random? How much was what I might call directed randomness, and how much was explicitly planned? It might have made them fear the dice less. Or maybe it would have ruined the magic of roleplay. I don't know. Fearing the dice is always a factor, for the dice are harsh masters. And when the party eventually reached a breach in the tunnel, which I managed to find some wonderful pictures I had from a broken railway tunnel for this, they were very, very cautious of the large, dark hole filled with inky blackness, exactly the right shape and size for a huge beast to conceal themselves within. And they had heard a huge beast passing in the night. So while they made their way cautiously over the rubble, someone had to roll a natural one. While not a disaster of a roll for Brimblor, who was highly skilled in stealth, and natural ones are only auto-fails on attack rolls, not skill rolls, it was still enough for the dragon's passive perception to hear. I had a great deal of pleasure in calling out to them with a draconic tone and playing Ozirandian Venom Fang as anything other than a civilised, urbane, and loquacious monster. Venomfang invited the players into his lair for a discussion, and rather than fight the dragon in close quarters, they agreed, as they were certain it would eventually come to fighting. It didn't have to, at least not that session. I intended Venomfang to be a recurring villain, and those familiar with the Red Hand of Dune will recognise that his first name belongs to the Green Dragon in that campaign. I altered the dragon cultists in Thundertree to better tie into the Red Hand of Dune plot thread, and at this moment, Venomfang is more bothered by those cultists than by the presence of four dwarven travellers, but once again my player's razor focus saved them from trouble and side quests. Refusing Venomfang's offer, and insulting him in spectacular dwarven fashion, resulted in the scene I had really not wanted them to miss, the moment when they get to fight a dragon. After all, it's the name of the game, and in this case, it only took three months for them to be fighting a dragon in a dungeon. There is a problem with fighting dragons, of course. Dragons are sometimes said to be little more than bags of hit points, and indeed, if a dragon uses its breath weapon and isn't lucky enough to regenerate it, can't fly away, and doesn't focus its attacks on the weakest members of the party, it is just a sack of hit points for the players to whittle away, not that impressive for a beast of legend that it takes heroes to slay. Unless you give the dragon spellcasting or other special abilities, they only have their teeth, claws and tails with which to bring death upon their foes, which can feel very samey after only a couple of rounds. Alternatively, if you play a dragon as a smart, evil monster and avoid any direct confrontations wherever possible, 
You breathe, retreat until recharged, and then breathe again. Only do flyby attacks and pick on the weakest members of the party. Quickly, this can become frustratingly annoying to fight as a player and can easily result in a TPK that just feels like the Dungeon Master's fiat. In this battle, with the airspace limited, Venom Fang attempted to fight Smart, but the heroes did their best to counter him, and their damage output was enough to make a Smart Dragon flee. If fighting dragons can be problematic and frustrating, defeating dragons is near-universally awesome. I say near-universally because I actually think I failed. In attempting to make Venom Fang a recurring villain, and following the instructions in the Lost Minds Guide, Venom Fang flees when he reaches half hit points, and even though he abandons some loot for the heroes, most importantly some magic items, it kind of felt incomplete to my players, and robbed them of their victory, as what they feared was his return when they were most vulnerable. This might be exactly right for how dealing with a green dragon should go, but I felt it wasn't a great ending for my players, and our session still had plenty of time left. I was expecting them to perhaps return to the way station for a long rest, but maybe fearing a random encounter on the underway back to it, they decided to press on, through a submerged section of tunnel, and coming into a natural cave filled with unnatural cold, which made them break through a layer of ice. Before I go into the details about the next monster attack, I want to talk about actually being a pro-DM. You see, I've been running Games for Friends for well over a decade, nearly two now, and I've run Games for Strangers, both online and in person, for over a decade as well, and in multiple countries on two different continents. I think I'm pretty experienced about it, but I've been running Games for Pay for less than a year, and running Games for Pay is different. For Strangers, I would have been less concerned with tailoring the experience to them, and for Friends, I would know how they would feel about what I was going to put them through, and if they were up for continuing. But for my current party, while I was becoming friends with them, getting to know them, I didn't yet know them very well, and I was very keen to tailor the experience that they're paying for to what they want. I wanted to give them a satisfying fight, and I felt we had enough time left in the session to do it with one of my favourite cave monsters. I brought out a roper as they settled into the cave, deciding that the icy water was probably a barrier to the dragon. Once again, I ended up making the players think nowhere was safe. Admittedly, I felt it was quite obvious that an icy cave wasn't safe, but though they went into the combat with enthusiasm, they were very aware of how lacking in certain abilities they were, because they'd already used them on Venomfang. Ropers are wonderful monsters, living stalactites that can reel in their prey with tentacles that can appear from anywhere. No matter how many tentacles you slice off, the roper can produce more, as they do not pass on any damage to the main body, and when they ended this fight victoriously, despite their concerns, I kind of felt it would be a great turning point. After all, they'd driven off a dragon, and then defeated a strange abomination, without anyone dying. Finally, at the end of all these random encounters and my failed attempts to tempt them with side quests, they were in hearing range of Wave Echo Cave, and their quests end. To find out how this wasn't the end of my long-resting troubles, and how their quest continues, tune in next week for another episode of Bellum Mensa. I've been Adam. If you'd like to play with me, you can contact me at bellummensa at gmail.com. Music was by Tom Foolery Beats. Thank you.